Well, good morning. It is a personal delight to, uh, for Vicki and I to be with you again and to be able to share with you your impact on Global Mission and to be with Pastor Joe. Um, by the way, Joe, I just heard Nancy say you're in big trouble I, I, as you made that comment. I just thought I'd let you know that. So uh, if you're expecting people to go to her for money, you're in big trouble. You've been there before. You may not know it, but you have been with us um, around the world several times as a church, and you have personally impacted our lives as individuals and as a collective group. And I want to show a little bit of that to you this morning uh, by the story, a movement of God, by the people of God. I'd like to invite you to step back and look at this little blue marble we live on, and ask ourselves what we would see if we were to look for the Church of the Nazarene around the world. What would it look like? You would see literally every day thousands of connecting points of friends, uh, people who are living out the message of Christ and the mission of the Church of the Nazarene together in all kinds of groups. You would see about 2.6 million members speaking 193 languages in over 164 countries. A church that has doubled twice in the last 30 years. Think about your business if it doubles what you have to do to adjust. You would see all those members connected to a local church, just like Paznaz. And those local churches are connected to districts about 500 of them. We just added another 15 or so this last year. Brand new districts of churches organized together in a family. And in world missionaries, you would see 35 fields. And those fields, for instance, might be Northern Europe, 26 countries, or India, one country. And those fields are all connected to six global regions, indicated by the colors there. And those regions are connected to one general assembly where those groups from those 164 countries come together and they talk about the message and the mission and how it's going and hold each other accountable and dream and vision and support one another in our mission. And then, from your local church in this district, you elect an international board. And they've been meeting, of course, on Zoom the last couple years. But this beautiful mosaic of God's people that we sang about earlier, the kingdom that first worship service where Jesus is lifted up as we did this morning together. And so that's who we are. It's our DNA, and it's a structure that just encompasses. It's inclusive. It embraces everyone in the world. That's who we are, and that's what you've been doing. Uh, You need to know that you're one of four denominations in the world that look like what I just shared. There are over 30,000 denominations. Only four of them are truly international. That is connected. Where I can get on the phone, I have a lot of Baptist friends. They're not connected. I've got a lot of Pentecostal friends. They're not connected. You are connected where I'm going to show you in a moment. We can immediately be impacting the other side of the globe because of those relationships in that network. Not only that, but you give more to missions than any other denomination per capita along with Christian Missionary Alliance. That's who you and I are. That's what we do. That's what we believe in. And so, 
We just jumped about four slides ahead for some reason. Brother Fred, you might have to help me. It just keeps jumping. Let's go back one more. For some reason, it doesn't like that slide. Oh, okay. Well, just I'll tell you what that is. You know Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ. In the 70s, their board of directors looked for a church that could distribute the Jesus film around the world. Guess who they selected? You. So you now have over 900 teams of men and women who show the Jesus film globally. You put those projectors on these men and women's backs, and you provide those motorcycles. Vicki and I have been in countries where we've seen the bikes still in boxes that you shipped, you paid for, you organized through the relationships that we have, the networks. I was in this village, I've been in many villages, where they've never heard of Jesus, and suddenly you had 300 brand new brothers and sisters who wanted to follow Christ through the Church of the Nazarene. Now we have a challenge. Where do we get a pastor? So you support those teams. They go back into those villages after showing the film and they raise up leaders and they begin to disciple them until those who God has anointed in that community now lead that congregation. Because we're connected, you know these people. You know them well. Volva and Sylvia. And I've been watching your Facebook page and watching your concern for them. Vicki and I know we've been there in Ukraine. We've been at Kiev First Church. We've been throughout Ukraine. We know the people in the Nazarene, some of them by first name. And remember those 35 fields I told you about? These are your two field directors, one in Northern Europe and one over the former Soviet countries. And they both are orchestrating the work that you have financed taking care of those refugees who have fled over the several borders that surround Ukraine. That's what you do. This is your family in Moldova. Your church in Moldova now has been turned into a refugee center and Nazarenes have moved out of their apartments and given their apartment to refugees from Ukraine. This is a center you're renting in Poland right now. It didn't exist a few months ago. There it is because you cared enough to do something about that. And it's that structure that I talked about that is impacting lives of people like this little girl. You might know Bob Skinner. He used to be a field director, but he's a DS now in, in the United States. That you operate several centers in Ukraine, children development centers, 16 of them. You oversee 10 rehab centers in Ukraine for men and women who have been addicted. You care about them. You support the micro-businesses that are all associated with keeping those organizations going. So your dollar is maximized by teaching somebody a skill like this fishing pond where they fish. I love the way they fish. They drain the pond, they scoop the fish off the bottom and then fill it up with water again and plant it with fish, my kind of fishing. But that's what you and I do. Jesus said, love, not just in word, but do something about it. And so we've been doing that for 120 years. We've been trying to follow Jesus as he glorifies the Father, and we make Christ-like disciples. Just a year ago, during COVID, you sent out this group. Now, I'd like you to notice that these are not all people from the West. You are now sending missionaries from over 40 countries in the world. And that's what we do. And just last March, you, this year, just a couple months ago, you sent out this group. 
The Church of the Nazarene sends out two kinds of missionaries now. This is a new restructuring. We send out a global missionary like me and Vicki, long, lifelong missionaries. And then we send out short-term. And I know some of you have served as short-term missionaries. IT, a mechanic, a doctor, a teacher. You've gone to all kinds of countries around the world. This church has. We can name the people from this church who have gone and worked with us, stood alongside of us. Now, I put this funny hat on because I wanted to tell you, you're looking at a guy who when he was 15, he was flunking out of high school in Concord, California. I had D's and F's and I think a C or two. By the grace of God, I had a C or two. And I came into the kingdom of God. And I went to my high school counselor the next morning and I said to him, Mr. Bueller, something happened to me over the weekend. I became a follower of Jesus and I'm feeling something inside about cross-cultural work and ministry. I don't even know what that's about. But my pastor told me over the weekend I had to go to college. Mr. Bueller, I kid you not, I can see it as though it was happening right now. Because <laughs> it's etched in my mind. He slapped his desk. He said, John, you are not college material. You can't go to college. I said, Mr. Bueller, please help me. God has changed my life through Jesus. Now I'm going to follow him. I need your help. So they put me in what they called um, bonehead classes. Do you know those bonehead classes? So my F in algebra with this guy named Mr. Huff. Amazing. I remember very few of my teacher's names. Mr. Huff saved my algebra grade. If you're a teacher, you are on the front line of ministry. It doesn't matter if the person's called to be a missionary or not. You're called to impact a person's life. And education has a powerful effect on everybody. And then, six months later, I met this woman here on the front pew, Vicki. And uh, she was a straight A Menza Society student, okay? Isn't it funny how God puts a flunker among somebody who's succeeding? And she helped me and coached me. She was 15, I was 16. And now last year, Vicki and I, during COVID, our kids traveled to our house with our mask. We all tested in the backyard, and we celebrated our 50th anniversary. It was a great party, a great party we had. And so that's what God does. Don't give up on your 15-year-olds, your 16-year-olds your that are flunking out of school or don't have, don't give up on them. Pastor Joe, thanks for your message of hope and your message of concern and burden. You have a message of hope because of who we are. Our story in Christ is a story of hope. Things can change for the better if we live into that story. And so that's what he calls us to do. Now, I jumped ahead again. I'm sorry. I'm not sure why this is doing this, but uh, Fred, I might have to call on you yet. So you sent us to Eurasia, and we served there. We lived in Budapest, Hungary. You came. This church came and worked with us in Hungary. And then you, we, you sent us to this area, the Asia-Pacific region, where we just lived the last 10 years. We spent 15 years on that region. And we lived on down under, you know. And here's some of your Nazarene brothers and sisters you see hanging out down there. They're great people. They, they're wonderful families with children. We've got so many Aussie friends. They're just, they're the most ethnically, one of the most ethnically diverse countries in the world. You go back 50 years, they all look like me. Now they come, they've got this open immigration policy and their country is thriving financially. And they're thriving in many other ways. 
This is Albert. He's Vicky's one of her good friends. By the way, this is jumping ahead. Thanks for the houses you have paid for. Every house and apartment Vicky and I have lived in as missionaries, you have paid for. Did you know that? Through alabaster funds. This is not one of them, by the way. That was down the road from our house. So we lived in this place. No, that's, you actually took better care of us. But you sent work and witness teams, and you rebuilt. And did you know, just your church alone, well, maybe you can build a, a, a church or a house out there in the far corners along Romania or Bulgaria or someplace. But did you know, when you put 30,000 congregations together who are giving to Alabaster, you literally build thousands of parsonages and schools and clinics and homes around the world. And that's what you've been doing for 20 years. Thank you. Thank you. We sincerely appreciate it because you have enabled us to then do what we needed to do so we didn't have to work in two jobs or whatever. Two years ago, three years ago, we got a phone call from Kansas City. We were getting ready to retire. And the global director said, John, would you and Vicki pray about extending your service? So now we're going to go through general assembly in a new job. And our task is to work with those 35 field directors. And I'm sorry, just keep skipping ahead. But these are the 35 field directors. Just before COVID, they all came to Lenexa, Kansas, where we spent a week of orienting, training, uh, these men and women represent the general superintendents in many different countries all around the world, those 164 plus countries. And the last couple years, we've been meeting like you've been meeting with your family members and friends and even your church on Zoom. And uh, COVID hit us hard. Uh, this is walking ahead again. I apologize. But this COVID has hit us hard. We've lost a lot of good leaders one of our districts reported seven pastors where they couldn't get access to medicine. Seven pastors in one 12-month period died to COVID. 126 lay people on one district. And that story could be repeated in several countries where you work, but they don't have access or they have access to a vaccine that is not as effective as some of the others. But that's what we've been doing, working, orienting, training, teaching those field directors. Now that's what you have been helping us to do. So every Tuesday, last Tuesday of the month, Next Tuesday, we will meet with all those field directors, regional, six regional directors, sometimes a general superintendent, and I bring in somebody who is a top-level professional, usually a Nazarene, sometimes not. The Fuller D-Men director recently spoke to our, uh, our, F, our field strategy coordinators about his book, uh, the Cam the, not the Camel, but the uh, uh, Lewis and Clark book. I've forgotten the name of it. But anyway, so those people come in and they help us learn what we need to know about, for instance, managing the pandemic. How do you motivate on Zoom? How do you lead on Zoom? How do you connect on Zoom? What, what calls for a good Zoom? How can you carry the mission forward? And by the way, it's been going very well, even during COVID. Um, we've been seeing an increase. I'm, I'm going to apologize. This is the last time I'm going to apologize. When you see that jump, it means it's where it's not supposed to go. Fred, you might have to help me yet. This is Cambodia during 2020. You started 25 new ministries. You directly served over 700 people with compassionate ministry, food, clothing, shelter. You um, saw 61 of your brothers and sisters' churches give 25% of their total income to global missions. Because they appreciate so much what you have done to bring them to Christ. 
and to train them and to teach them and to resource them. Look at what they're doing during COVID. Um, 291 brand new Christians came in in 2020 into COVID through the Church of the Nazarene. And you've been buying bicycles there and selling them for $15. You didn't know that, did you? And we don't just give a bike, but we try and develop dignity and help with the dignity and let them earn some of it. And we have given a few free bikes away, but it creates jealousies and and uh, other things when you give something to somebody and you can't give it to everybody. And so we try and develop a system that doesn't create uh, codependencies. And those kids can go to school because you got them a bike. Because it takes them an hour to ride there on a bike. And they can't walk that far in a day. So you educate children through little programs like this all over the world. The last time I was there, this woman stood up in the orange shirt. She said, when I was a little girl, this tall, the Khmer Rouge came into my village you remember the killing field story. She said they killed everybody. I was hiding. I was the only remaining member. Today she's enrolled in your 24 courses of study that every Nazarene pastor and missionary takes to become an elder in the church of the Nazarene. She's enrolled to be a Nazarene pastor. That's what you do. You change realities of people's lives. You bring pure, clean water to places where children die before they're five just because they have bad water to drink. This one's right outside your church in Washington, India. Snap the picture. Those blue pipes there, they take pure water to five families. You installed them as a church. And you do garbage uh, 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 and, and training for people who they need um, hygienic training. And you work with governments to bring in garbage cans. I'm trying to tell the story as my pictures want me to tell them this morning because they're jumping all over the place. So there's the garbage cans. And you run child development centers all over the world. Vicki and I were just in Illinois for a month, uh, just recently. And out of this area of Pune, India, we met a 13-year-old girl in your sister church in Illinois who had been adopted by one of you, brought into their family, and now here she is being educated, a fine, beautiful young woman who knows Christ and following Christ. But that's what you do. We're back in Ukraine You've perhaps seen the houses of James. Sean calls in the houses of James because James says pure religion is to care for who? The orphan and the widow. And he saw children living under conduits. And he said, this isn't right. Children without parents. Children who had been abandoned. Dozens and dozens of them. So he came back home. He wasn't even a follower of Christ at the time. He is now. He's married a beautiful Ukrainian woman. And the two of them now are ministering and they've developed three of these homes. Some of you have been there. I, I know it. And so that's what you do in Ukraine today. Now, Sean has had to leave the country because of the war, but I think they're trying to get back in. And I think her parents were stuck in Mariupol. And so we've been, pr <laughs> we've been praying with them because we care. We care. And we would want them to care for us. And so that's who we are. That's who you are. That's who we are together. You own the Shechem Children's Home, who takes care of kids who have been survivors of online sexual exploitation. You have several of these. One of our former field directors that was partners with Vicki and I in, in Asia is now a global director of human trafficking. He works with the Vatican. He works with anybody who will work with us. We will work together to deal with those issues that 
bring children and young people and older people who have been trapped. You're looking at 32 graduates of your school at ground zero of human trafficking in the Philippines. I mean the ground zero for the world. More human trafficking goes through Cebu than any other place in the world. And you graduated 32 of them out of a class of 75. I had the privilege of speaking at their commencement not too long ago. And here they are going into the community armed with a degree that has taught them how to actually change the, the entrapment issues and bring people out of that into wholeness by putting them in the community, giving them a, getting them a job, training them, putting them in a safe home. That's what you do. And you have 52 of these universities and schools, just like you have in Cebu. You have a school right in Cebu that goes from children all the way up through the 24 courses of study for pastors. And you have 52 of those higher schools. That's not counting high schools and children's schools. I mean, in Papua New Guinea alone, you have 82 high schools in Papua New Guinea, Nazarenes. And what are you doing? You're teaching them the love of God for everyone. That's what we do. We do it together. That picture I just showed you, <laughs> I wish I could go back. It jumped. Boy, did it ever jump. Okay, right there. You sponsor 159 young people with education in that village alone. That's Main Street. I asked that young man, what are you going to do with your degree? He said, I'm studying medicine. I'm going to be the medical doctor. There's not a nurse or a doctor in my community. I'm the only physician here for 3,000 people. You put him through school. He was like in his 12th or 13th year. We've got thousands of these children around the world and young people that you are actually helping their lives become different than they are. And you run the boards. I'm just going to keep going. There are several pictures of boards. Some, I met somebody, uh, Brother Wrench, you lived in Taiwan. Wonderful board. We just kick-started that school back up in Taipei. And here's Hungary. You've been there, as I said, with us to Hungary. You've been with us along the borders of all along Romania and, uh, and Ukraine and so forth. You've worked with us out there. This is Maria. Some of you probably know Maria. Maybe you Facebook friend with her. But that's curriculum in Hungarian language, the third most difficult language to master in the world. And you own that curriculum. It's all been translated, 193 languages. If you've got this, we won't take time to do it, but if you type in W H D l into your search engine you'll see wesleyan holiness digital library now children's curriculum theology books thousands of books are online you might have given to books for pastors now it's books for pastors online and so you can go to the whdl and get the 24 courses of study for free so when you're making two or three dollars a day in some of those countries where you work they can get educated if they've got a teacher or we hook them up with a mentor and they're taught online, that's what we do. We still deliver hardbound books. There's 4,500 shipped from SNU to a little island in the Pacific who told us, they said, we cannot start your 24 courses of study for credit unless you have a library of 5,000 books. So Vicki and I called the Nazarene li uh, librarian he shipped 4,500. The university paid for it. And then three of you got on planes and you flew to that little island and you spent a month and you took all those books and you cataloged them. And now anybody taking our course of study can get a master's degree or a PhD even from 
Harvard, Yale, or Point Loma. They can do that. And you support these faculties. They exist there. They would not exist without you. And the classrooms, some of them very simple, but they get the job done. You just put the blackboard wherever it will go. In this classroom, they had never had a theology class. This is along the border of Nepal. Vicki and I were there with them several times, actually. You can't quite see it, but the man on the far left in kind of a white shirt, he was a witch doctor. His 14-year-old son was dying. For two years, his son was dying. And he told me and Vicki that he gave up his witchcraft, and he finally asked the Christians to pray for his son because he said he was going to die any day. And guess what God did? He healed that little, that young boy, 14 years. And guess what he's doing? I'm going to follow your God. He healed my son. And now he's enrolled in the course of study to become a Nazarene pastor. Imagine this father. My dad was a farmer. Imagine the sacrifice this dad to send one of his boys to school and to have his boy come back with that cap and gown. When I stop and look at that picture, sometimes I just start, I get teary-eyed. That's because of you. That's because every time you do this, you're actually doing this. Through that system that I shared with you, we just help wherever there's need. I just passed some pictures, but here we're passing out, we're passing out toothbrushes and toothpaste. I mean, have you ever not brushed your tooth for a week because of a tsunami? It gets pretty ugly. But you just, you paid for the toothpaste. We got to deliver it and say, in the name of Jesus, a cup of cold water. In this area, it was against the law to say Jesus. You could be arrested here. But the imams, when we left, they said, if there's anybody like you, send some more people like you. We need more people like you. Because all we did... You know, St. Francis preached the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. You know, we don't all have to be like Martin Luther banging the door of the building with 95 sentences. We can just love, and because the image of God, this is our Wesleyan theology, is in that person, the Holy Spirit is already at work. And we trust that, and then we see 14,000 refugees in these tents. You had missionaries there, Syrians, trying to get out of the war-torn area, and you were on the front lines giving tents and food and clothing. That's what we do, refugees. Jesus said, treat the stranger. Actually, Jesus didn't say this, Old Testament prophet. Treat the stranger as if he or she was your family member. Boy, I've thought about that. That's not easy. The trust issues, the financial issues. But God calls us to be a people who don't know anybody who's not a family member. They're part of our family. We are connected, whether they're in the Church of the Nazarene, we are connected as humanity. And it's the love of God He puts in us, even in dangerous places where you've been with us here too. They burnt down this office building. Jesus films in it. And you constructed a new one. I'm trying to show it to you, but my clicker's not going forward. <laughs> yes. Fred, I'm going to do this. Are you still with me, brother? 
let's just do this, okay? So here's your, your center. Jesus film's gone, but what did you do? Well, Vicki and I came back to the Point Loma Nazarene University region, educational region, because this USA Canada region is divided into educational zones. And we went to those districts, and your district operated with the other districts on this region, and you sent 20 teams over five years, and you rebuilt the center. And Fred, is it not working for you? And here's Kim Singh's song, the district superintendent. You bought the building block machines, you created the blocks, and you built the center. And on the inside is a beautiful, beautiful clinic, a teaching room. There's a church there, a district office. I'm going to finish up now with just one of the most impactful things I've seen us do over the last 50, 60 years. Nazarene Hospital in Kuja, you've been there, some of you. Uh, when we first went there, there was no church there were no Christians. They hadn't ever heard the gospel. A single woman from Scotland, one of your Nazarene sisters, another one from the, and her husband from the United States, the Knox family went over there, and somebody from Australia went up a Nazarene from up there, and they started preaching. Seven years, nobody responded, and then a chief was converted, and suddenly, now you fast forward to today, you've got tens of thousands of Nazarene brothers and sisters in Papua New Guinea. And you own the most amazing clinic and hospital set up. If you fly into that little valley, all those white top buildings are yours. And then you have about 50 missionary families there, doctors, nurses. And most of the nurses now are all indigenous people because you did such a great job of teaching them. You can't even get a nurse's visa from the West anymore to go to PNG. You've, you can get a surgeon's visa and, and serve, but they don't need nurses because you've done such a great job. This is your Bible college and your teacher's training college just down the road. And one of the, those three schools have come together and asked us to develop the next Nazarene University. And so we've been going there. I want you to see the next slide. There we go. And here's one of your classrooms. Let's keep going, Fred. Thank you. Here's a couple of your surgeons. There's a young, sur a couple more surgeons. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> back back up just a little bit yeah I wanted to tell you uh, you've got an incredible group of people there with amazing stories and I just thought I'd throw in this picture of this little surgeon that's to be pretty soon okay so let's move forward Th this dam you built three million dollars in cooperation with the Australian government Papua New Guinea government the electricity would go out in that hospital several times a day no permanent electricity and PNG and so you had to do something about that because we literally lost people on the table because of the lack of electricity right in the middle of a surgery so what did you do you built a dam you sent in teams and we started constructing the kids think it's a great playground and swimming hole mom loves it because she doesn't have to do the laundry and every one of your units has this beautiful statement Jesus heals. Every one of the 60,000 people that went into that hospital and came out pre-COVID was prayed for by a surgeon or a nurse. And then all those nurses are, they take 12 units. Joe, they don't do this at Point Loma. 12 units in evangelism and church planting. 
in order to graduate. And then guess what they do? They go out and they, they plant something like this. And you have these spread throughout PNG. I wrote Kafoa, the director of that field. I said, could you send the latest church plant? And he just sent that to me a few months ago. I spoke there at their commencement not long back. Over a thousand people there. An amazing time. And this young woman was the magna cum laude speaker. You helped pay for her education. She's a follower of Christ. I said to her when I ran into her in the airport, Lydia, where, where, what are you doing? She said, I'm going back home. I said, what's that mean? Well, I got to get on another plane, fly back into the jungles, and then I'm going to, you know, she get a bus, walk. You know, sometimes they walk two or three days, get back to their village. 832 languages in Papua New Guinea. And here she is going back to her people group, and she's going to take the love of God with the ability to plant a church and love people to Jesus. And that's what you do. That's what we're doing every place. Every time you do this, you do that. Read this with me. And when you come to the word Samaria, let's put in Paznaz right behind that, okay? Let's read it together. Here we go. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Paznaz, and to the ends of the earth. You say, what can I do? I'm too old. Well, Theo is 95. She lives in Perth, Australia. She complained to me when I saw her not too long ago, Pastor John, they took away my driver's license. <laughs> I said, Theo, it might have been a good thing. She said, well, as it turns out, it was a good thing because God showed me how my ministry could expand. I've been using my car to take food and groceries and books and toys to the aboriginal people in the outback along the edges of Perth. And now that I can't do that, I have to call Uber. And every Uber driver is an Arabic-speaking man. And he, gets, he, he comes to my house, and he sees me load all this stuff in the boot of his car, and then we drive an hour out to one of the stations where we have Nazarene missionaries that you support and have been there for 20 years. One of them was a former Buddhist monk who got converted, now is a Nazarene missionary. And here they are out there, and she said, I unload my stuff, and the, these men help me unload the trunk, and they see me helping the children and the moms out there in those broken-down communities, and we get back in the car, and she said, when I get in the car, I say, I'm Theo, what's your name? And she says, I write down their name. Are you married? Yes, I write down their name. Do you have children? Yes, I write down their name. She said, then before I get out of the car, I'm so, so small, I'm so tiny, I don't intimidate anybody. So she said, I say, can I pray with you and pray for your family? And they, she said, I've never had an Uber driver say no to me. And she said, so God has given me a whole new ministry. Well, she's 95. This guy's 11. He lives in Nampa, Idaho. He heard some of these stories, not told by me, but another missionary. He said to his mom, I want to do something. So what did he do? He went to Costco, bought hot dogs and Polish dogs and Coke, and he went alongside a sports field in Nampa, Idaho, and he sold profit $248, and he sent it to Global Missions to go to Sao Paulo. 11-year-old boy. A 95-year-old woman. Well, that's what we do, and that's what you've been doing. Thank you. Vicki and I just, 
I wish we could just go to coffee with every one of you. Don't ever think you're not making a difference. A little bit, because of the structure, because of our passion, our commitment, our interest in the mission of God through Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, keeps this thing going. So thank you so much. God bless you.